0: As we prepare to hear God's word read and proclaimed, let us pray. Gracious God, as we journey through this season of Lent, we seek to draw nearer to you. Illumine your holy word by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we may follow you more nearly this day. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Today, we pick up our journey through the Gospel of Mark with chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. They, Jesus and his disciples, came to the other side of the lake, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when he had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore, even with a chain, For he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart and the shackles he broke in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, "'What have you to do with me, Jesus?' Son of the Most High God, I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there on the hillside, a great herd of swine was feeding, and the unclean spirits begged him, send us into the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine, and the herd, numbering about two thousand, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned in the lake. The swine herds ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had had the legion, and they were afraid. Those who had seen what had happened to the demoniac and to the swine reported it. Then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A teenager I know recently introduced me to the Forest app, which is designed to help you put down your phone and focus on the task at hand. Whether that task is a homework assignment, a book you want to read, doing your taxes, or being fully present to a friend or family member who wants and needs your attention. Here's how Forest works. You set a timer in the app for the amount of time you want to devote to your task, and then you tap a button to plant a virtual seed. The image of a seedling appears in a mound of soil. If you stay on the app for the amount of time you've set on the timer, that seedling will grow into a large healthy tree. But if you leave the app before the timer is finished, for example, to check your email or social media your seedling will wither and die. The more you use the app to successfully set aside focus time, the more trees you collect until you have a virtual forest, hence the name of the app. Yes, it's a gimmick, but the fact that Forest is the number one app in the productivity category of the Apple App Store reveals just how susceptible we are to distraction, especially when what we need to focus on is difficult or makes us uncomfortable. Particularly when something disturbs us, our first instinct is to look away or push it aside, even to pretend it's not there so we can tell ourselves it's not our problem. In today's story, Jesus offers us another way. He crosses the sea to arrive not just on the other side, but in the land of the other, the Gentiles. These are not Jesus' people. And the details make it clear. This is the land of the unclean, the impure. The minute Jesus steps onto the shore, he is confronted by a man with an unclean spirit. Even worse, this man has been relegated to living in a graveyard, putting him in proximity to corpses, which Jews considered ritually impure. But Jesus doesn't turn away from the man or ask him to keep his distance. Instead, he asks his name. The answer comes not from the man, but from the spirit possessing him, who gives the name Legion, a word for a Roman regiment of 6,000 soldiers. Now, the political overtones of this name would have been immediately apparent to Mark's first readers, whose lands were occupied by an oppressive Roman army. Jesus is going head-to-head with the oppressor, and he vanquishes the spirit by sending it into a herd of nearby pigs who hurl themselves into the sea. It's a dramatic turn of events that gets people, people's attention, probably because that herd of pigs represented financial stability for the swineherds as well as the larger community. So if Jesus expected the gathering crowd from the nearby town to thank him for healing the possessed man who had so disturbed them that they sent him to a graveyard far from town, Well, Jesus was not going to get thanks. Maybe it was the destruction of the pigs and the interruption of the economic and social status quo in which each person knew their place. Maybe it was that they saw Jesus as a foreigner, a Jew, and wanted nothing to do with him. Whatever it was, they want Jesus to leave. And when the formerly possessed man begs to go with him, Jesus refuses. Go Home, he tells him, and tell your friends what the Lord has done for you. If we've been paying attention to Mark's gospel up to this point, this is not the answer we expect Jesus to give. He's been gathering followers, not turning them away. And usually Jesus tells those he heals not to say anything to anyone as if he wants his identity and his abilities to remain secret. So what do we make of Jesus' instructions to this man he has liberated from a legion of demons that occupied his body and soul, caused him to inflict harm on himself, and isolated him from his community? Go home, Jesus says, and tell your friends what the Lord has done for you. Maybe... Jesus is teaching us how deeply interconnected we are as a community so that the health and well-being of one of us has implications for all of us. When we discussed this text in my weekly Bible study, one person bravely shared that it really bothered her that Jesus sent the demon into the herd of pigs it just doesn't seem fair, she said. Those pigs represented people's livelihood. Why should they have to suffer so someone else can be healed? Well, I didn't have a great answer for her, but I did share with her a sermon I read on this text that was preached at a funeral by the Reverend Gary Charles. The funeral was for a 37 year old man who had struggled for decades with mental illness and who died by suicide. Charles had walked with this man and his parents through many agonizing years, and he shared in the sermon that after he heard about Stephen's death, his emotions quickly evolved from sorrow to anger. In one sense, he said in the sermon, Stephen's suicide was an assisted suicide, by a society that has decided it cannot afford the financial burden of responsibly caring for the mentally ill, especially the adult mentally ill. In this story, Jesus offers us a glimpse of the kingdom of God he is so often talking about. It is a place where we willingly cross over to the other side to tend to the needs of the other It is a community that bears one another's burdens and shares the cost of another's healing. It is also a community that celebrates together when anyone is healed or set free of whatever chains have bound us. This is why Jesus sends the man back home to tell his story. Because as hard as it can be to show up To those who have seen us at our very worst, these are the people who have the greatest stake in our transformation. To create the community defined by the kinship Jesus reveals, we start by paying attention to the people around us, noticing who among us is suffering or relegated to the margins, and being willing to sacrifice our own well being in order that they might be restored. Now, this might sound like an overwhelming task, but the fact is we've all been learning and practicing this for nearly a year now. It has become such a habit that it's easy to forget, but wearing masks and keeping socially distant and worshiping from home and meeting on Zoom and waiting and waiting And waiting for a vaccine appointment all of this is about bearing a communal burden to take care of those among us who are the most vulnerable to the unseen virus in our midst that is so easily and unwittingly shared among many things this virus has unveiled for us is the undeniable truth that we are not just responsible for ourselves and our loved ones but for the person who checks out our groceries, the bus driver who gets people around town, the healthcare worker who keeps showing up to work at the hospital or the nursing home. We are bound together. One of the initiatives we started here at FPC in the last year is the People from the Pews series. The idea is that although we are a church family, attending worship and classes and meetings together doesn't always allow us to truly know one another. We realized we needed more ways to tell our stories that we might bear one another's burdens and share one another's joys. If you haven't been keeping up with the series, you have a real treat in store. For you will learn remarkable things about people you may have thought you already knew. Some of the stories are difficult and even painful, some are surprising, some are simply remarkable. But this project is a reminder of the power of telling and hearing each other's stories. For knowing one another better is one way we make this community of faith a reflection of the kingdom of God Jesus talks about. In this story, Jesus sends the man home so that the wonder and joy of his healing could be shared with the very people whose sacrifice had helped make that healing possible. It is a reminder that when we willingly share one another's burdens, we all benefit When those burdens are lifted. By creating in our church a community of support and vulnerability and sacrifice for each other, we will be equipped and empowered to make sacrifices for the larger community, for our city and our country, for the world God so loves. In doing so, we model the kinship that is the defining feature of the kingdom of God. The Forest app, the one that rewards you for putting down your phone and focusing on the task or the person before you, works because it is a visible reminder of the value of paying attention. Paying attention is how we get a task done, but the gospel teaches us that paying attention to the people around us is also the way we experience and share the transformation God offers each one of us, liberation from whatever oppressive forces have taken over our lives. When we pay attention, we discover we are not alone in our suffering, and we are enabled to see and bear witness to the suffering of others rather than distracting ourselves and looking away or relegating the other to the margins where we don't have to see them. The promise of the gospel is that God's transformation comes in the context of community. And the moment we experience that transformation is not the time to leave that community, but rather it is the time to stay, to stay and to share the good news to celebrate the good news of the other, and to witness together to the wonder of God's grace that makes all transformation possible. Amen.